0: Praise God. Well, get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would go to John chapter 4 this morning. Now the plan this week is John chapter 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches. So if you don't know what the plan is, the plan is is at the first of the year, the Lord prompted us to, as a church, as a whole, to read one chapter In the Bible, every week. The way that you read it is up to you. You can read it all at one time, sitting down. You can read it in pieces. You could read it over and over all week. It's up to you. But the whole purpose of the plan is that this is a year, it's not just the year, it's the way we should be honoring the Word of God, to believe that the Word of God is alive, that that the Word of God is going to change our lives. And so we're going over that as a family because the families have gotten away. You know, uh, uh Becky Jones brought a Bible to me the other day that just blew my mind because when they were married uh, 40 years ago, they got married, that the the businesses in this area gave every person in Uvalde County who got married a Bible. And at the front of this Bible, it was one of those big family Bibles, and the front of the Bible has the names of, you know, West Cooksey Motors, you know, things like this that you don't ever hear anymore, Gibson's things that used to be there years ago. But these businesses all got together and they honored the word of God and they gave they, for the people. They didn't even know. They didn't know the people. I don't know how they worked this out. I, I've yet to find out anything more about it than that they got a Bible because they were giving it to every person that got married in Uvalde County. Now, do you think that would happen today? Everybody said, well, we can't do that because it might be in conflict, and if we gave this person Bible, and then they might not like this, and we get all mealy-mouthed around and we wouldn't even get anybody anything, but they did that because they honored the Word of God, and we as a church, and we as Christians, we need to honor the Word of God in our lives, amen? Yes. So that's what the plan's all about. So we're all as a church. This week's chapter is John chapter 15. Read it. Ask God, what does it say? What do you see in it? And then how can we serve people by what we've learned? Amen? And so that's what the whole plan is, and it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to me how many people have picked it up on Facebook and on the website and, and the phone app, and, and have just this thing is just going around everywhere, and everybody's excited about it. I, I got a little video that I do, and uh, so if you get the phone app or uh, go to the Waterhole website, either one of those, you'll have the video on there and you can see it. Amen? So look at the person beside you saying, sound like a good idea. All right, so I've been preaching for the last several weeks, um, and I'm just staying on it because I I I, I can't go on to something else because I just feel like the Holy Ghost just has us here at this place of trying to understand the grace of God and walk in the grace of God. I believe the Christian world I'm not talking about all of us as Christians. We don't really know who we are in Christ. And what we do in life is that, that a person has this moment in the, this, this, this place that they come to in life where, where they commit their lives to Jesus. And then whatever denomination they're from or whatever you know, uh, uh, custom they have, they, they do something that commits their life to Christ. And then there's an assurance in their heart that they're going to go to heaven. But then that's it. They stop right there. They never go any further with it, and that's not what Jesus paid the price on the cross for us, to stop right there. He wants us to go all the way, amen? We got to go all the way to heaven. We got to start being and walking as sons of God on the face of this earth, but we're not going to do that unless we understand what really happened, and when we got saved, when we gave Jesus Christ our hearts, and we know that we know, that we know that we know that we're saved. Amen? I mean, you got to know that you know. It's not that you, well, I got a letter from the church. Hello? I've always joked, just thought that was funny. I don't know why. That just cracks me up about a letter from the church. Like, is it an A, a B, a C, a D? I know what they're doing. You know, you're just saying this person gave their life to Christ this day, whatever. But I'm just saying, it just sounds funny. You got a letter from the church. You know, I may want to grade you pretty harsh. (laughs) Yes, he's in, but he got an F. You know, you just got to pass, right? Passing grades, you know, you just got to have a 68. Oh, he was a 95 Christian. No, he's just a 60 Christian. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, my point is, we, we, we get into this thinking, this mindset, and even the church teaches it. That we, you know, oh, you're saved, you're into heaven. Okay, you got it made. No, we got to live now on this earth. We got to live for Jesus on this earth. We got we to gotta be about helping other people. We got to be about teaching other people. We got to be about making disciples. Jesus said, go into this world and make disciples, right? Well, how can we make a disciple if we don't know what we're making? How can we go forward and help others if we don't really know who we are? If we're going to live in a sin consciousness, really quiet. are you all with me? The Bible says that when you gave Jesus Christ, the Lord made him the Lord and Savior of your life, and you said, Jesus, I want you to come to my life, and boom, something happened. You got translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of his dear son, right? You got out of the kingdom of darkness. You're over here, and this place that you're in is called grace. It's where you stand. Romans 5, one says you stand in grace. So grace is where you stand. It's the grace that you can go to the throne of God, that you're in the family. You are now a child of God. You are now a son and daughter of God. You are now in the family. Everybody say, I'm in the family. You're in the family of God. It says right now that your elder brother is Jesus. And that he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And you're a joint heir with Christ Jesus and you sit with him at the throne of God. Yet, we live in a sin consciousness. The devil tries to keep us. He keeps yelling from across the chasm and telling us, you're no good. You're a sinner. You're just barely in. You're not, you, you, you didn't get a good letter. You're, you're an F. You're not going to make it. And so he yells across the chasm to us, and he yells across the chasm, and he comes to us, and then it gets in our heads, and then we start just saying, well, you know, bless God, I'm, at least I'm going to make it through the pearly gate. You know, at least I'm in, not going to go to hell. And we start living like that. And then the devil just has his heyday with us. He just wrecks and ravages us and, 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 and assaults us and combats us all the time, and we don't have victory. And that's not the way it should live. That's not the way we should live at all. We should live in victory because we're sons of God. But we got to understand who we are, and we got to walk in that. The sin consciousness keeps us bound into the past life. Oh, are you sinners? Every one of us in here makes mistakes, but there's a difference between making a mistake when you're standing in grace and being lost. Are you hearing me? Now, I don't know about y'all, but I want to live for God. I want to do right. I don't always do it, but I want to do right. And when I know that I don't do right, or I get convicted by the Holy Ghost, I'm quick to repent. That's the difference. Repentance In the middle of grace, he says, what does he say? 1 John 1, 9. Confess your sins, right? And then what happens? You're forgiven, all right? So you're still standing in grace. But what happens is the devil wants to tear down our fellowship with God, our relationship and our fellowship with God to where we don't think that we're worthy to walk as sons and daughters of God, all right? So I, I want to preach this message. It's along these lines this morning, but it's a little bit more of just like a, a really good encouragement message this morning. So it starts here in John chapter four, verse 46. Let me read this story to you. This message is called "The Long Walk Home." It says, "And Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea, into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the, nobleman's son, the nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. Now, <clears throat> you know, you got to look at this story, you got to kind of look at this verbiage here. To me, it's kind of interesting. The man is really demanding for Jesus to come walk back with him, but you got to understand from Capernaum to Cana is about 16 and a half miles, 16.47 miles. That's how far it is. So this nobleman is wanting Jesus to walk with him 16 miles to go lay hands on his son. Okay? And then you notice that Jesus' verbiage to him is not like, Oh, yes, blessed are you, oh, my son. Take this sweet lamb and go your way, for thou child is healed. He just says, <laughs> he says <this> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of rough, right? He says, He says, uh, Go your way, your son lives. How do you say? How would you say? Go your way. Go your way. Your son lives in a nice tone. Go your way. Your son lives. Are y'all following me here? Or did Jesus say, like, basically, just said, "Get out of here." he's healed. That's the tone I get from reading this. He's like, "Get on out of here." Your son lives. Y'all with me? And then he says, so the man believed the word. The man believed the word. Jesus spoke the word and said, go your way, your son lives. The man believed the word. And then what happens? He has to walk 16 miles home. Let's read the story. And as he was now going, a servant met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of him the hour which he got better. And he said to him, yesterday, the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. Okay, so let's just put this picture in perspective. The man walked 16 miles. Now, I don't know. It says, I looked up to do some research on this, and it said that people... It, it said people that are in shape, so I don't know what in shape means. That kind of threw a wrinkle to me when I read that, that statement. They're in shape, so I don't know if they're in shape to run marathons or just, you know, not hooked up to an oxygen tank. You know, I don't know where the in shape is. But it said that a person's in shape can walk 30 miles in a day. And I thought, I said, I don't know. I don't know if I could walk 30 miles. I could walk 30 miles in the day, but I'd sure be tired. I'd probably need to change his shoes and some extra water and some food along the way and, you know, something. But the point I'm trying to make is this man walked, because they were all walked in those days. So 16 miles, you know, he could have done it easily in a day. So I don't know where the servant was. I don't know what point he met him. I don't know if the guy walked for an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. He was at the fifth hour when he met the servant. You know, it doesn't really tell us that. But he had this period of time that he had to leave Jesus. Hear what I'm saying now? From hearing the word, and he had to, by faith, walk without knowing, knowing physically the son was healed. Right? Right? There had to be this period of time. I don't know how long. He walked an hour. He walked two. He walked three. But he was walking. And I want to tell you something. While he was walking, it doesn't say it, but I can guarantee this one. He had all kinds of thoughts going through his head. I can tell you the devil was yelling at him, saying, you got to be kidding. The guy just said he wasn't even very nice. See, I bet the guy started, he's trying to work an offense. Did you notice the tone of voice he said to you? Go your way, your son lives. He wasn't very caring and compassionate. He said that harshly. And at that, I mean, the guy had to fight it. Because if he would have said, you know, you're right. He didn't really say it to me. See, folks, most of the time, all of our battles take place in our heads. And you're winning or losing right here in your head. And I, you know, I don't, Okay, don't don't throw anything at me. Get over here so I can duck. Don't throw anything at me. But have you ever noticed that when the devil is talking to you, he sounds like you? I mean, if you had a voice in your head that was, you know, like, like coming from Beelzebub, you know, and you're, you know, I don't know what he'd sound like. But if you had that voice in your head, you'd be saying, oh, my gosh, I need drugs. I'm going crazy or something, right? No, he's talking to you in your voice telling you these lies of doubt and unbelief. On this long walk home, he's over there talking to you, trying to get you to get offended, trying to get you in in, in anger, trying to get you off into wrong doctrine, trying to get you, you know... All these issues of getting mad and all these things. He didn't speak to me right or why I'm to walk this deal. And if God, if it was really God, I'd have seen an angel or I'd have seen some sparks fly or I'd have seen something. And you begin to get into all this stuff. And that's what this sin consciousness does to us. It begins to come into our life and steal us from the miracle that has taken place. Because I want to tell you something. The miracle took place when? When Jesus spoke the word. Because when the servant came, he said, yeah, he was healed the seventh hour. That kid was healed the moment Jesus spoke the word, and the, and the man believed it. He was instantly healed, but he didn't see the manifestation of it. He didn't see the reality of it until the servant said something to him. He still didn't really see it. He had to go home then, the rest of the day walk, to see the, his son living. And in that length of time is where the devil always talks us out of our miracle. How many of y'all, in reading the plan, at first you started out like a house of fire and you were reading every day and it was good and it was great and it was glorious and then all of a sudden it seems like now things have kind of got to get in and steal your time. Now all of a sudden the, the 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 texts are coming through quicker. You set yourself and say, okay, we're going to read at eight. All of a sudden the phone starts ringing a lot at eight. Because see, the enemy's coming in to try to steal the word that Jesus speaks to you from your hearts on this long walk home, He's trying to steal the word that's you. You just heard the last week and said, ah, "That's unbelievable! That's amazing! I see it." And then all of a sudden, the enemy comes in. He wants to steal it, so he starts hammering at you. He starts sending little things to you, and what he's saying to you sounds like you. Look at the person beside you and say, "You know, this, he's got a good point." Mm-hmm. This is life. Listen, you're never going to get out of this. until You're not going to have this stop and this quit until you get to heaven. All right? So we have to learn to combat it. We have to learn to, to know how to fight this and to be able to stand against it. Amen? So I'm going to give you some things here. Go to Psalms chapter 62. Psalm 62. <clears throat> I'm going to give you some things to help you put in your arsenal this morning to fight against this. Psalm 62, five. It says, my soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. The first thing that you need to do in life is that you need to Come to the place where your expectation is only in God. Now, I'm not saying you don't believe what anybody else says. You don't believe what I'm preaching this morning. I'm saying your expectation for God to move in your life is in him, that he is going to move in your life. Why? Because you are a child of God. This one thing that should resound on the inside of each and every one of you. Not something that I can... I can off enough oil on you or, 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 or do anything, lay hands on you enough to make it happen. But something on the inside of you that resounds on the inside of you is that you know that you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. If you don't know that, if you're not sure, if something on the inside of you is not telling you, I'm not talking about me telling you or that I gave you a letter from the church. Or that you went through a ritual or you did this or that or the other, but it's on the inside of you. That that resounds on the inside of you that you know that you know that you're saved is the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you talking to you. That right there lets you know that He's real, and so therefore that's where your expectation is in God. If you don't know, well then the Bible says you can know, right? Yeah. The Bible says, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. Right? That means you get translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His dear Son. Something happens on the inside of you. The Spirit of God comes and lives on the inside of you, dwells on the inside of you. You know you're alive to God and the things of God. See, I want to tell you something. Too many people try to base their faith off of someone else's faith hear me? You can't base your life off my faith. You got to base your life off your faith. And where's your expectation? Is your expectation of God? You see, I'm crazy. I love to be crazy. I like to be eccentric. I like to be just whatever because I'm just going to sit out there and my expectations in God, my every day for miracles, signs and wonders. I'm believing God for something. I want to see things move. I want to see. I want to walk on water you say, really, you want to walk on water? Yeah, I tried to fill up water in my bathtub, tried to walk on it, it didn't work. But I'm going to walk on water by the Spirit every day of my life. I'm going to believe God for miracles. I want to believe God. My expectation is in Him. He is God. He created the heavens and the earth in six days, sat down, drank a Coke. Y'all with me? When Brother Ivan was here, I got a, I got caught a new glimpse of this one. He said that 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 light is that the earth is the scientists are proving that the earth is continuing the the then not the earth but the the universe, thank you, is continuing to grow and continue expanding. And then he said, because God didn't say light stop. He said light be. And I'm like, there you go. See, that's how big my God is. He just said light be and it's just continuing on. Growing and expanding. That's my God. What is your expectation? And oh, I don't know if we're gonna make it. I don't know if we're going to get by. I don't know if God can pull this one off. Oh, this is a really a big one. Hello? What's your expectation in? David said here in Psalm so my expectation is God and God alone. I'm believing. So what are you expecting? Because I want to tell you something. You're going to get what you're expecting. Second thing. Proverbs 29 Proverbs 29, 18. Now, all of these kind of go hand in hand. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. That word revelation there really means vision. When people don't have any vision, they lose restraint. You know, when I was growing up, the one thing I can, I can thank my parents for is they set a godly example in front of me. Now, my father never sat down with me and read the Bible to me. My father never sat down and talked about the things of God. But he set a godly example to me, what was right and what was wrong. Hello? Okay. When a person doesn't have any vision for the things of God in their life, then they will do whatever they want to do. They will do whatever their flesh wants to dictate. There's so many things going on in the world today that I just look at and I'm like, what? What? Where is this coming from? Hello? Okay, you got to have a vision for your life. What is your vision saying to you this morning? What is your vision saying to you this morning? What 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 are you seeing in the vision for your life? Are you seeing good things, bad things? You think about it, church. You go read the news this morning. ooh man. And you want the news to set your vision in life? Well, folks, I want to tell you something. You better start digging a hole right now. You better start stocking water and food and putting a big steel door in there and crawling in a hole. But, you know, I'm just not much of a person who wants to crawl in a hole. I ain't going to crawl in a no hole. They're going to have to deal with me right out front. I'm just not going to crawl in a hole. I'm not going to hide. My vision is that my God's bigger than that. My, I mean, come on. I, I'm reading the Bible where Elijah, excuse me, Elisha, is at the sitting at the, in the city and, and all the troops are coming in 50s to kill him. And you read the story, you get this deal. It's like he's sitting there, and I don't know why I seem like this, but when I read the whole story, to me it's like he's sitting there in his lawn chair with a toothpick in his mouth. I don't know why I seem like that. Like he is so unconcerned about 50 warriors coming to kill him that he's just sitting there with a toothpick in his mouth, just messing with it. And his servant comes running up to him and he says, there's 50 guys outside they're gonna kill us and he says oh man there's more with us than there is with them don't worry about it and so they come up to him and they say we're here to kill you and he says well if i'm not a man of god then let fire come down from heaven and consume you the next 50 show up servant runs up there again there's 50 more going up there i mean shouldn't this guy have got it by now to just say hey boys you about to get smoked We're going to sweep y'all up in a dustpan here in a minute. Elijah's still sitting there twirling that toothpick in his mouth. He says, Well, I'm not a man of God. Then let fire come down here. Third group come up, drop all their swords, crawl on their hands and knees up to him, said, Oh, we know you're the man of God. Don't kill us. Don't kill us. Don't kill us. I mean, this is what I'm believing for. If they did that, For Elisha, oh yeah, he was a great prophet of God, but he wasn't the son of God, full of the Holy Ghost, born again by the blood of Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? We look at Elisha and we say, oh, look at the great mighty man of God. Listen to me. He was not born again, full of the Holy Ghost and washed in the blood of Jesus. He was a prophet of the Old Testament when the Spirit of God came upon him. He doesn't stand in the same class as you do today. He did. And that's what I'm saying. Why are we believing? So where we got to get to. Our expectation and our vision needs to be in who you are in Christ. That you're sons and daughters of God, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus. The devil has no rights, no powers, no privileges over you. Amen. You've been taken out of that kingdom. But if you don't have a vision, then you're just going to do whatever comes easiest to you. Now, your vision can't be, okay, I'm just going to believe God that everything's perfect. I don't have any problems in life. Because that's a wrong vision. Why would Paul say you're more than conquerors if you don't have something to conquer? Right? We live in an imperfect world. There's going to be issues. There's going to be flat tires. There's going to be problems. Hello? But we're more than conquerors because why? We're walking with Jesus. He's with us. He's always with us. Amen. The third thing here that you got to look at in life is in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Hebrews 4, 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Fourth thing is, or the third thing is here. Is it, what is coming out of your mouth? What is your confession? What's coming out of your mouth? Is your confession, oh, things are going bad. It looks like we're going down. Oh, I bet I'm going to get that disease. I bet, I bet this is going to happen. I bet we're going to go broke. I bet this is going to happen. I bet this is going to end a divorce. I bet this, what what do you, what is that what your confession is? Listen, I know we live in a world that's a fallen world. I know things are bad. I know things. Sometimes seem like they're getting worse, but what if your confession changes and say, oh, man, God is with me today. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you you're with me today. No matter where I'm going, no matter what I'm doing, I'm going to have victory today. When my kids are small, they've always sing that song, and got it in children's church about, you know, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And I'd go marching around the house with them. We'd all say, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. And I still think about that song today. Just, I just pounded that into the kids. That's how big my God is. He's so big and so strong so mighty. and hey, nothing my God can't do. Jeremiah 32, 27. He's the God of all flesh. Ain't nothing too hard for him. Is that your confession? Is your confession that, well, you know, my granddaddy was broke, my daddy was broke, and I guess I'm going to be broke. That's one of the things that I have seen that to me is such a miracle is that the orphanage in Guatemala, with those kids, we keep continually telling them that they can do anything they want to, continuing to they can be anything they want to, we're going to take care of you and whatever. And to see a kid that came out of a dumps eating trash, living on the streets, just trying to stay alive, and then all of a sudden they come up and all of a sudden they're, they're, they, we, they find out that they're really a genius and become aeronautical engineers. Lawyers, doctors. why? Because their thinking changed. Their confession changed. I mean, we've got this little girl, Mimi, that I, I just we just love her though. And then there was life. And so anyway, little Mimi, she you know she, she just came from a horrible situation, a horrible childhood and all, but then one day somebody asked her what she wanted to do when she grew up, what was she going to be? And she just said right out of her mouth, just, I'm going to be the president of Guatemala. Which you're like, okay. And then as she got older, she just began to tell us, she said, I don't know why I said that. It just came out of my heart. I really believe it came out of my, my, my spirit. I really believe that God really, one day I'm going to be the president of Guatemala. And so right now, now she's grown up, she's 19 or 20, and she's becoming a lawyer and preparing to become a lawyer the president of Guatemala someday. Now, folks, listen to me. That's a big vision. When you came out of the most horrible, horrendous situations you could ever imagine in life, this young girl was sold on the streets. This girl ate garbage. This girl came from the worst place in the world. You tell me that what the vision was for her? If she'd have stayed in that mess, she probably wouldn't be alive today. But her vision was changed. Everything was changed. Why? Because we began to put the gospel into her. And the gospel has a way of coming into your life and changing your vision if you will allow it. And then it begins to change your confession because your vision starts lining up with your confession. And all of a sudden now you got it coming out of your mouth and you're seeing it out of your eyes. And your expectation is in him. And when that starts happening, folks, your world starts changing. I'm telling you today, God is standing on the edge of heaven just wanting to help you if you would just believe him. If you would just quit listening to the devil and start believing and have your expectation in him, have a vision in him, have a confession in him, then I want to tell you something. Something would start to change in your life. You'll see it. When David faced Goliath, his whole purpose, if you go read that story over in 1 Samuel 17... His whole purpose when he looked at Goliath, he says, well, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, who's this guy that doesn't have a covenant with God? He looked at a giant. Everybody else saw a giant. Everybody else saw somebody that was, they were unable to defeat because he was too big. When David looked at him, why? Because he had a different vision. He knew about covenant with God. So what came out of his mouth? Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? He didn't see how big he was. He looked at him and said, What do you mean? God's on my side. We'll kill him. Kill him with a rock. Give me a rock. Give me a rock. This little rock. We'll kill him right there. Everybody's like, you gotta, this guy's huge. You gotta go, he's got this big armor and this big shield and all this stuff. And David's like, I just need a rock. I just need something for God to bless. I just need something, no matter how big or how small, I just need something for God to bless, so that he can put the, the anointed zip on that rock and kill that giant. You remember, you remember the story? He goes on and Saul goes on and says, you better take my armor. And he puts all of Saul's armor on. He's like, I can't move in this. This is not my anointing. This is not my, I just need my slingshot. I just need my slingshot. That's all I need. I just need the slings. This is, this is what God will bless. I've skinned the bark off trees. I've killed the lion and the bear. And I know this thing works. Folks, use what you know works in your life. Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable on the perfect will of God. Well, renewing your mind can't start unless your confession changes. And your confession really can't change unless you know what the Word of God says. John 10, 29, I'm in the palm of the Father's hand. Ain't nothing going to take me out. Is that your confession? When things go to bad, what, what's going to happen in the palm of the Father's hand? If if my God is the God that created the heaven and the earth, and my God I'm in his hand, then what do I have to be afraid of? What do I have to worry about? What's bigger than me in the palm of father's hand? Are you with me? Last one here. Go to the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke 962. Now I realize that Jesus is the sweet lamb of God. I realize that Jesus has more love for you than you can imagine. That Jesus has compassion like you've never seen anybody have on this earth. Okay? Understand that. But I also understand that Jesus wants to get a job done. And I know that Jesus, every now and then, rises up and says some things. Like, go your way, your son's healed. And this is one of the statements he made in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's pretty harsh. It's not really harsh. It's just a matter of fact. In other words, if you start heading in this direction, but you keep looking over your shoulder, like the, like the children of Israel did when they kept thinking maybe it was better to go back to Egypt, You're never going to have success. I enjoy the things of this world, like a really good steak. Some of you say, oh, you shouldn't be eating meat. Well, all you vegetarians, just go be vegetarians and be happy, but my God's big enough to make meat go through my system. But I don't enjoy, hear me now, the things of this world. There's a lot of horrible things in this world. I don't want to be a part of this world. I don't like the way things are in this world. I like the way that things are in the kingdom of God. And when you put your hand to the plow and you start saying, I'm going to live for Jesus, then you got to do it. Ain't no turning back. James said if you're wishy-washy, if you're you're going to be like the waves tossed on the sea, then you're going to have some faith one day and no faith the next day. What's going to happen is you're never going to see anything happen because you're just just wishy-washy in life. 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul told Timothy, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that I've committed him until that day. Let me ask you today, how strong is your determination? Quoting my good friend Dwayne Hillis, since he's not here today, I can pick on him. Sometimes in life it's just suck it up, buttercup. Well, I know things are tough. I know things get hard, but I know my God, if you'll stay with him on that long way home, is going to get you a miracle that you need. I know that if you won't listen to sin consciousness and won't fall back into sin consciousness and won't walk in that and get your confession going right and get your mind renewed right there, you can't tell me God's not going to move in your life. You can't stand here today, church, no matter who you are. Listen to me, I came from broke. I know what it's like to dig around for some spare change. You can't tell me that I don't know suffering. I want to tell you something. I can stand here today and tell you, I've seen my God deliver me out of them all. I've seen my God when I didn't think anything was going on, was doing something. I've seen God do things that, that I couldn't imagine. And now I'm in the place in life where a situation arises and I want to get angry. I want to, I want to. Do something, and I just stop and have to say, you know, God, you're going to get me out of this. I don't know how this works out, but you, you, I always tend to waste emotional energy, fretting and worrying over that when you've already got deliverance for me. And then you see God move. Oh, it's a walk. Sometimes I got to keep walking. I'm looking for the servant to hurry up, and come tell me the good news. <laughs> come on, buddy, where are you? You are around this next corner? But I keep walking. That's just life there's no way around it. last thing here, and you can just go read it, but over in Luke chapter 24, the story of the the men on the road to Emmaus starts in verse 13, and these two men were traveling down the road, and they were walking along, and if you go read the whole story, they were walking down the road, and they were complaining. That's what they were doing. We thought he was the son of God. We thought he was going to be here with us. We thought he was going to deliver us. We thought he was going to do this, and we thought he was going to do that. And Jesus is standing right there with them, right? He's walking on the road with them, but they don't recognize that he's Jesus. And they're just telling him all their tale of woes, all of what didn't happen the way that they thought it should happen. Right there is where we get into a lot of our own problems. We start telling the Lord the way he should do it. Instead of walking with the Lord down the road, saying, Lord, this is so great. I'm just so glad you're with me and you're going to make all this work out. Don't know how it's going to work out. I might get in an uncomfortable situation here or there, but you're going to take care of me. Right? And so all of a sudden, then Jesus stops. And if you read the story, he stops and he says, Don't you guys know? Don't you all understand? This is what was supposed to take place. This is what was supposed to happen. This was supposed to come down. This, I, it was going to happen. This way it's going to do this. And then he went and broke bread with them. Boom, their eyes are open. They said, oh. Don't you know they were embarrassed at that moment? Or maybe not. Maybe they're just so glad they saw Jesus. You know, I don't know. But they were just, oh. their eyes were open. And that's what needs to happen to us this morning, church. Our eyes need to pop open and realize in life, that we don't have to live in a sin consciousness. We need to live in grace. We need to look and check and see, what are we expecting? What is our vision in life? Okay? What, what are we really seeing? What are we really believing? Okay? We need to, we need to, 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 to ask ourselves, you know, are we, are we enduring? Do we have any determination? Are we, have we got our hands to the plow? What's our confession? What's our confession out of our mouth? And if it's not lining up, then you know what? Get it lined up. Amen? Amen. Lord, come up here and just play something for a minute. I want you to just put your Bibles up. And I want to just pray for it because some of you may be on this long walk home and maybe you haven't heard yet the good news. Maybe you haven't heard yet that Jesus... The miracle already took place. So just close your eyes there for a moment and just put yourself in in an attitude of worship. If you're out there watching the broadcast today, wherever you are, I just want you to know Jesus loves you and He cares for you. And if you don't know that He's your Lord and Savior, you don't have that assurance in your heart, well, right where you are, just cry out to Him. Ask Him to come into your life. And He will. He'll forgive you of your sins. Wash them all away. And He'll make everything right. If you'll distrust in Him. But if you're in here this morning, church, I want to pray for you. And what I feel like in my heart is that some of you maybe just need a little place of encouragement. Because you've been walking down that long road home And you've been believing God for miracles. You've been believing God to set you free. You've been believing God for deliverance of something. And you just haven't seen it yet. And I'm here today to tell you that the moment you believed the word that He said to you, it was done. And I'm just here by the Spirit to throw a little fresh water on you. Give you a snack. Help you hold your head up. Say, keep going. Because your answer's there. And so with every head bowed and eye closed right here, let's give everybody a little privacy around you. If this message is speaking to you and you feel like you've been on that road, you've just been, you've been getting weary... I want you just to lift up your hand, so I know who I'm preaching to this morning. I see those hands going up. So just by faith, hold your hand up there and just let the Lord see it. And, 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 and I want to pray for you. Father, right now you see every hand that's held up. You see every hand right now that's held up. Those that are just become weary. And Lord, right now, what I pray for is a refreshing of your spirit. A refreshing flow and surge of your spirit within them right now. Because Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can do it. So right now, I just thank you, Lord God, for moving in such a way. Showing them the reality that, Lord, you're alive and well. And that they're walking this road with you. They're walking this road with you arm in arm. And that right now in Jesus' name, the miracle I'm believing for, Lord, is for their eyes to be opened. I'm believing for a supernatural Empowerment right now, and their eyes to be open and see you, Jesus, right on that road with them, just like those men on Emmaus Road were. See you, Lord. See you moving. So, Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Now I want to do something else. I want you to stand up. I want to ask my prayer team to come down. Now listen to me. (laughs) Folks, listen to me. This This may be too much for you. You may not be able to handle this. You may be a reserved person. But some of you in here, the word for you this morning is you really need to become radical. Now, I don't mean that you need to go get you a bed sheet, put over you in a big family Bible and stand down in the corner and tell everybody they need to get saved. What I mean is you need to become radical in your house, in your life. You need to change your confession. I, I I don't mind telling about myself because I want to tell you something. You know, when you when you're a, when you're a country preacher and you come from from being a cowboy, tobacco chewing, beer drinking, foul mouth cussing cowboy, I could cuss better than I could preach. And then God calls you to be a pastor, and you have got to make some changes. Sometimes your confidence level's not real high plus feeling like everybody's throwing rocks at me the whole time, telling me, you know, who am I? And I used to go, and I still do sometimes, I used to go to the mirror. And I would walk up to the mirror, and I would look at myself in the mirror, and I would begin to coach myself. And I'd say, God's called you. You got the anointing. You're going to preach the gospel today. You're going to tell everybody the truth about Jesus. Lord, I thank you. You're, you're with me. And I would I would speak to myself in the mirror. I'd say, boy, you're gonna make it. You're gonna be all right. Man, fire and signs and wonders coming out of you. I'd get all radical right in front of the mirror. I'd preach myself happy. And I'm telling you, some of you need to quit being shy and reserved. And you need to go look at yourself in the mirror. And you need to look and say, Man, God's with me today. I'm going to work and God's hands on me. I'm an anointed man of God. I'm an anointed woman of God. Everywhere I go, man, I'm going to overflow with the Spirit of God. You need to start talking to yourself in the mirror. They say people that talk to themselves are crazy, but I want to tell you something. People that talk to themselves get victory in Jesus. You need to change your confession no matter how much is going around you, no matter how much is falling down all around you. You need to get your confession going and say, Man, I just declare today I'm in the palm of Father's hand. ain't nothing going to take me out. You think that's going to get me upset. I'm in the palm of the Father's hand. ain't nothing going to take me out. Hallelujah. That's what you need to do, church. And if you're shy and reserved and said, Oh, well, Pastor Robert, I don't know. I just, just don't really know. I want to tell you something. You're going to get eaten by the devil. I'm telling you how to fight this morning. I want you all to understand something. I learned this a long time ago, too, that in a fight, there is, to me, in a fight, there is no Marcus of Queensbury rules. I am going to win. I'll throw dirt. I'll hit them with a stick, a rock, knives, guns, bow and arrows, whatever I got to do. I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm the same way with the devil. I don't let him take any ground in my life. I'm going to win. I don't care what I got to do. I am going to win. And so I want to tell you something. It's time for all of us to pull our boots on. Stand up. Look in the mirror. Get your confession going right. Amen. Amen. Look at the person beside you and say, I'm going to do it. So now, on your long walk home, get a smile on your face. Get your expectation going. Amen? So grab that person's hand beside you. We're going to set our agreement here. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that's why we got a prayer team up here. If you, gotta, if you have anything you want to pray about, anything that wants to, you, you, you won't just pray over, they're here to pray for you today. But Father, right now, I declare over each and every person here that we will not be defeated. That this day, Lord God, I loose that spirit of encouragement over each and every one of them. I declare today that, God, you have opened our eyes. I declare today that they're in the palm of the Father's hand. I declare today, Lord, that we understand that we are conquerors and that where we have not had our confessions right, Lord, we get them right by the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I praise you for that. So I thank you, Lord, for putting your hand upon each and every person here, for blessing them and encouraging them this day so that we can go out there into that world and we can encourage others and tell them the good news about Jesus. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for it. Now, Lord, bless all the food. Bless all the hands that prepared it. Bless our fellowship, Lord, that we can fellowship with one another today richly. And, Lord, we just give you praise for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. God bless you, church. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.